walking with Jesus, serving with love, and sharing with courage. Welcome to the PCOM Podcast. Hello, friends. Happy Easter tide. We are still in the season of Easter, season of joy and celebration and feasting. If you want some Easter candy, it's on sale. That was one of the wonderful discoveries of moving out here to California is the delight of C's candies and also the delight that C's candies seasonal treats go on sale about a week after the major holiday. And you can get all your goodness for half price. That is my tip for you today. (laughs) Today on the podcast, we are going to talk about birds. I am a little bit of a one-trick pony right now, I know. But here's the thing. Birds are amazing. Birds are amazing. And in fact, Jesus himself in Matthew's gospel says, look at the birds. And he's making a larger point. It's part of a story that he's telling to the crowds who have surrounded him. But I like just pulling that little phrase out of context (laughs) because, you know, when it's been a long day and I'm supposed to be cooking dinner, but I really need to take 20 minutes and go on a bird walk, I tell Daryl, you know, Jesus says, Jesus says we're supposed to look at the birds. So I'm just being obedient to the scriptures. You're welcome to borrow that if you want. Um, I have eaten too much Easter candy, which is why I'm a little bit on the punchy side today, but it is so good to be with you on the PCOM podcast. It is just a joy and a delight to be able to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus all season long. My dear friend Anna is a pastor out on the East Coast. We have both coasts covered between the two of us, but she was working on her Easter sermon a couple weeks ago, and she texted me, do you have any interesting birding facts? I'm talking about hope, and I want to talk about the resilience of the natural world. Do you have some birding facts? And friends, if you want to get a long email from me. All you have to do is ask for some birding facts. So I'm going to tell you some birding facts, but I'm telling them for a purpose. There is a method to my madness. One of the reasons I've gotten so deep into birding is because birding takes me deeper into wonder and appreciation of the incredible God who created the world. Every new thing I learn about birds is something I learn about the creativity and the mind of God. So sit with me in a little bit of wonder, and I'm going to read you some birding facts this morning. These are just a few of my favorites, some of the greatest hits. Arctic terns are the birds that migrate the farthest. Scientists have tracked them migrating over 57,000 miles in a single year. They basically do figure eights across the globe repeatedly, pole to pole, ocean to ocean. Most scientists will agree that they probably migrate farther than this. This is just as far as they've been able to track them so far. Arctic terns are about the size of a gull, of a California gull that you'd see at the beach. They're not massive birds but they can fly for days on end without stopping. And they can do this in part because their brains are able to shut down one hemisphere at a time and one eye at a time for just a couple of seconds. So they take these little micro naps 
and they don't ever fall out of the sky. If we fall asleep, human beings, if we fall asleep, we lose muscle tone immediately. And you'll know this, right? If you go up to a friend or a spouse when they're sleeping and you lift up their arm and and then let it go, it'll just flop down onto the mattress. They're asleep. But birds retain their muscle tone when they're sleep flying. Arctic terns, look them up. They're amazing. Mockingbirds, we have northern mockingbirds here. It's the only species of mockingbird in North America. They sing thousands upon thousands of songs. Researchers have not been able to count the number of different songs they sing because each mockingbird sings so many variations and different songs. They are also able to copy the sounds of sirens, dogs barking, lawnmowers, pogo sticks. Every once in a while, I'll think I hear a new bird from our bedroom window and I'll crack it open at dawn and try to listen to what it is. And it's just a mockingbird. He's, he's doing his repertoire of song sparrow and yellow warbler and raven, and it's, it's amazing. The loudest mockingbirds are usually the males that are looking for a mate. Sometimes they will sing all the way through the night. Wrens, house wrens, marsh wrens, canyon wrens, Buicks wrens, we have all those types of wrens right around here in Orange County. They sing duets with their partners where the notes of their songs are interwoven so closely that the human ear can't tell them apart. We can't tell which wren is singing when, and it baffles scientists how two wrens who might be sitting, you know, 20 yards apart, they can't even really see each other are able to weave the notes of their songs together so tightly. Owls, owls fly so quietly that even the most sophisticated recording devices can't pick up the sound of their wing beats. There was a a famous BBC study where reporters said, well, you know, we have incredibly sophisticated microphones. Of course we can pick up this sound. And so they set up a whole studio and they got an owl and they, you know, had it soundproofed and it was all going to be perfect. And the owl would fly over the microphone and the microphone would pick up nothing. Silent flyers. The world's loudest bird is the white bellbird, which lives in the Amazon. The mating call of the white bellbird is louder than a jet engine. Many thanks to Daryl for this fact. He sent this little video clip to me and said, I think we should make this our alarm clock. (laughs) I'm not going to play it on this podcast because I don't want to blow all your hair back, but you should look it up. The white bellbird. Most species of gulls have at least five different variations of plumage where their feather color changes, changes when they're nestlings to fledglings, fledglings to first years, first years to second years, second years to adults. Some have different winter and breeding plumage as well. I am trying to work on some deficits in my birding knowledge, and I thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to learn more about gulls. Out here, we have California gulls and Hearman's gulls and several other species. I'm going to learn gulls. And I got some books from the library, library and realized, oh, this is a specialty focus because even a single gull within a five-year span can look like eight different gulls. They change from gray to white to black to different patterns. Their bills change colors. It's astonishing. Also, there's no such thing as a seagull, which I didn't know. People use that as this this giant bucket of classification for these shorebirds. But in fact, there are specific types of gulls, California gull, Hearman's gull. So there's that. Also, apparently it's Canada It's Canada goose, not Canadian goose. I've been saying that one wrong my whole life. 
Also, that doesn't make sense because there are a lot of birds that are American coot or Egyptian goose, but why is it Canada goose and not Canadian goose? I don't know. You have to find an ornithologist and ask them. SoFi Stadium, where the LA Rams play, had a pigeon problem, and pigeons can be kind of a pest species. They can, you know, poop all over everything and get in the way and eat all the spilled popcorn and and kind of make a nuisance of themselves, but they didn't want to trap them and they didn't want to poison them. And I really, I encourage anyone listening, if you have a, a rat problem in your backyard, which many of us do, if you have, you know, fruit trees or anything like that, they do attract rats, do try to use traps rather than poison. Because what happens if a rat eats poison and then a raptor eats that rat, a hawk or a falcon or an owl, is that poison will often kill the bird as well. And that's not what we want because the more birds we have, the fewer rats we have. They do help control that rat population. Also, birds are awesome and we shouldn't poison them. Okay, I'm off my soapbox. SoFi Stadium had a pigeon problem, but rather than trap or poison them, they hired falconers. SoFi Stadium has falconers, people who manage and train and raise and care for falcons. And they release these falcons around the stadium. They're trained. And suddenly, SoFi Stadium doesn't have a pigeon problem anymore. I love this type of innovation. Happy falcons, no pigeons. Crows, crows are as smart as human second graders. They use tools. They can remember human faces. They can mimic sounds, the calls of other birds. They are fascinating, fascinating, fascinating birds. Cactus wrens, we have cactus wrens out here, weave intricate decoy nests that they hang up above their own nests to deter predators. These are really difficult nests to weave, little grasses and mud, and it's all fit together so well it takes them a long time, but they make a real one and a decoy. Many albatrosses mate for life. The oldest known albatross nests on Midway Island in the South Pacific. They come back to the same nesting spot every year despite circling the globe multiple times in between. Albatrosses, like Arctic terns, are major migrators. They fly for thousands and thousands and thousands of miles. But the oldest known albatross, her name is Wisdom. She's 76 years old and she's still laying eggs. Bananas. Bananas. Finally, last bird fact of the day, house sparrows, the most common bird on earth, have been found at the top of the Empire State Building, and they've been found in a British mine a thousand feet underground. They live in nearly every country on earth and in six of the seven continents. You've seen a house sparrow, even if you weren't looking for one. They're all over Orange County. They actually aren't native to North America. They were brought in by Europeans. They're the most common bird on earth, and they're really cute. I might be biased. I think most birds are cute. I think turkey vultures are kind of cute. So why the bird fact encyclopedia? Well, a couple of reasons. One, Jesus tells us to look at the birds. But seriously, one of the things I love about birding and one of the reasons I, I continue to bird is that birding is sharpening my awareness and my ability to pay attention. My friend Paul says he loves birding because it's like solving lots of small puzzles and it keeps him attuned to the world. But we are a people and a culture that is easily distracted. Philip Yancey, the brilliant Christian author Philip Yancey, says that he used to read deeply, but now since the age of the internet, 
He'll read a paragraph or two, and then he just finds himself distracted and looking around. Our attention is eroding. My attention is eroding. I think of the difference between my childhood where we would watch one half-hour program after school every day, and that's all we had because we had a handful of VHS tapes and, and nothing else. To my kids who... We have to, you know, have a conversation about turning off the television because there is a bottomless bowl of PBS kids and they could watch the Wild Kratts for four straight years. It is becoming harder and harder to pay attention. And birding helps me reset that part of my brain to think more deeply. And that influences my faith. It influences my interactions with all of you. It influences my preaching Birding helps me learn once again how to pay attention. Noticing small things about different species of California or different um, ages of a California gull and how their, their feathers change colors gives me new eyes to see my neighbor and the set of his shoulders. He lost his job. Is he doing okay? Birding helps tether me to the natural world, the reminder that God is in all things and through all things and created all things. Birding is a reminder that creation was created good and holy and also that all creation is groaning, waiting for its full redemption in the new heavens and the new earth. I was was speaking with a, a Christian ornithologist a couple weeks ago. His name is Dale Gentry. And he was saying, you know, that's the thing is this interplay between the hope of creation and the beauty of creation and the knowledge that all creation is groaning. We were eating dinner a couple of weeks ago and we're, you know, midway through scooping broccoli onto kids' plates and Daryl goes, oh, wow, and just gets up and moves to the back sliding glass door. So we all get up and join him and there is a Cooper's Hawk you seen a Cooper's hawk? They are beautiful. They have these gray heads and shoulders. They have these orangey red eyes and these hooked yellow beaks and these big, gnarled, strong feet. Their, their chests and their bellies are white with kind of a red, reddish, brownish pattern on them. This is, I'm describing the male because that's what we had in the backyard, a male Cooper's hawk. And it had gotten one of our backyard birds. It had gotten the mockingbird that often would sit on the peak of the roof and sing us songs until late into the night. And we didn't see it kill the mockingbird, but it was sitting there amidst this explosion of feathers. There were feathers for five feet in every direction. It looked like the bird had exploded. And it was sitting there and there was blood on the end of its beak and it was eating this mockingbird. And all of our kids had different reactions. Felicity started whimpering and grabbed my leg and said, Mommy, I'm sad. I'm sad for it. And Wilson said, We're eating dinner and the bird is too. And Lincoln thought it was so cool and got the binoculars and wanted to examine this big hawk that was sitting in our backyard. And it was a reminder that for the hawk to live, the mockingbird had to die. And all creation is groaning. It's groaning. It's big and beautiful and horrible, and amazing. Birding helps me pay attention. I, I have a birding podcast, a little personal project I'm working on. I think most of you know I'm, I'm part-time at the church so that I can be primary parent at home with our young kids, but I have a couple of side projects, books that I work on, and this podcast is one of those. And you're welcome to, to check it out. If the bird facts were interesting, I talked to a host of birding experts. And the farther I get into the world of birding, the more I learn how many 
brilliant, interesting Christian people are also birders. Fernando Ortega is a birder. Kay Warren is a birder. John Stott, he's he's passed on to glory now, but John Stott is a birder. Patsy Claremont. So it's it's interviews with folks like that, and it's also interviews with non-Christians who are expert ornithologists or ecologists. And it's been really lovely. And I welcome your prayers for the folks I encounter on this podcast, because a lot of the people who do not consider themselves people of faith don't have a lot of interactions with Christians who are thoughtful and, and kind to them. And often, you know, they'll they'll say, you, you actually were very charitable. You were very kind. And I think that is... There is great potential for for God to work in those interactions. And I think part of my role in this world as a Christian is to be kind and to be charitable and to be generous because there are people out there who their only interactions with Christians have been antagonistic or the the bad de- de- depictions of Christians that they see in the media. So just being kind can be a ministry, can be a ministry. Um, so anyway, the podcast is called the, the Thing with Feathers, and you can find it anywhere you find your podcast. It's not a project I'm doing through the church, so it's not on the church website, but it's everywhere else, Apple and Spotify and Google Play and iHeart, what is it, iHeart Radio and Apple Music, uh, sorry, Amazon Music. It's all those places. Um, and if you give it a listen, I'd love to hear what you think. If you're into birds, it is all about birds. Daryl says he is so grateful that I have other people now I can talk to about birds, so I don't regale him with all of my bird facts. Although, in a wonderful answer to prayer, he is slowly starting to get into birding. He refills those backyard feeders more than I do now. <laughs> the Lord is not through with either of us yet. So my friends, as we celebrate the season of Easter tide, look at the birds. And remember that your Heavenly Father feeds them. And this same God looks over each of us And in Christ, we are fully known and fully loved. Alleluia. Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia, friends. Until next time. 